Brian Grogan, you are an Irish Jesuit and you were in Rome yesterday at the request of Father John Dardis, former Irish Jesuit provincial, who works with Father Torres Sosa, the Father General of the Society of Jesus. And he has announced on Tuesday of this week his apostolic, universal apostolic preferences, which are guidelines for the way the society wants to go. Tell us about those preferences briefly and why you were in Rome then. So the preferences emerged out of a long period of nine days, I think it was, of what's called discernment or trying to make good decisions. And there were obviously many, many things that Jesuits could get involved in. And the general was trying to see, well, are there a number of guidelines that should inspire us over the next 10 years and say, focus us on the most important things at this time. So all these people were got together, 25 of them, mainly Jesuits, and a process was undertaken in which they secluded themselves for the nine days, gave themselves over to prayer and discussion and then listening to see what they believed God might want. So I've been invited to participate in the follow-up to that discernment process that was held in early January. Just to say the priority is to be young people, migrants, care of our common home and spirituality and the spiritual exercises. Yes, the way the listing, I don't know whether there's something about that that's important. The first was about the fact that we have a gift uh, given to us in the spiritual exercises and in Ignatian spirituality, and also in regard to the process of good or graced decision-making. Ignatius used to think that was the centre and most important thing that people could learn. And so decisions are made, they say 85 million decisions are made every day in the world by groups of people. So one way or another, they shape our world for good or bad. And so how do we make good ones? And the Jesuits have the same problem as anybody else as to how to work that out. So that that is something that we should focus on and make available more and more. Whatever resources we have, and we're, we're building up resources on the web and in bibliographies and in training facilitators who know their way around in regard to the ups and downs of common discernment. The Pope has talked a lot about it. Being a Jesuit, it's not surprising. He doesn't bother too much. He presumes that people understand him. And they say, you know, basically he's saying we must allow ourselves as a church and as Jesuits to just be led by the Holy Spirit and not get in the way. So anyway, the first priority is that. And then the second is in regard to the poor, the impoverished, the marginalized, the oppressed, the kind of people that are mentioned in today's Irish Times about the sister in Africa who says that she was forced to have three abortions because a priest was molesting her and she became pregnant. And there's that whole world of victims and of survivors and all that, and that we should be there because that's where God is and that God hears the cry of the poor. We need to do so as well, and it should move our hearts enough to make significant changes in our own lives or our own focus of things. It's not that we'd give up all kinds of work, say, like theology or philosophy or schools or that, but that there'd be a focus towards a preferential option for that world. Then the third is in regard to walking with young people and learning from them. 
If we're to stay young, we need to be in touch with people who are young and respect how the Holy Spirit is working in them and is as a destiny for them. And we need to be in touch with that. So it's not just a matter of teaching people, but really being with them and allowing them to say, this is how we see the world. And we believe this is what God wants us to do and to be working with them on that and sharing whatever we can. And then the fourth thing is one of my favourites about the care of creation, that that must be a primary inspiration for the kind of work we do. Now, you could say you could sit down and a group of people just say, well, these are my preferences, then let's see which ones come out on top. But they didn't go at it that way. They said we need God to lead us and God to show us. So it shows a belief in God and in God's interest in our decisions and God's capacity to wave at us and nudge us and invite us and beckon us and scream at us maybe to do the things that God sees most needy in today's world or over the next 10 years. And the Pope has approved them. They took the them Pope to the Pope and he, them, yeah. he said that that was exactly what he felt they were on the right track as well, which was important. Ignatius yes. always said you looked for confirmation. Isn't right. that right? So tell me about what you were doing in Rome then on foot of the announcement of those apostolic universal preferences. I was invited to come to Rome by Father John Dardis, who is in charge of apostolic planning and discernment. And what he really wants me to do, I think, is <laughs> to reflect on the process that went on in January and also on instances across the world of groupings that have decided to take apostolic discernment and go at it together and learn from the experience rather than just doing it. So it's a kind of commentary on what went on and this is what was behind it, for instance. So just take the primary one, I think, is why spend so long praying? Why not just, you know, get down and do it? And the idea there is that God is the important person in our decision making and we need to be in touch with God and we need to be liberated from our own special interests or special pleading or anything like that. Or we need to get free of the most comfortable jobs that we might have in order to see what does God want us to do. So the notion that God can touch the human heart and draw it in one direction rather than another is critical to Ignatius's thinking and that we can block that without intending to. But I have my own biases and I'm middle class and how do I really feel about the poor, etc. Or a lot of holy people, they say, don't give a hoot about creation. They just go ahead and creation means nothing to them because they're just focused on God who is in some other world than the, the leafy and um, ravaged world that we're living in. So I'm meant to highlight the reason behind the various movements that went on during the eight or nine days. And were you on your own or were you with other people? Well, I was on my own. I was the only one. I mean, I was asked to come to Rome because I guess for Father John Dardis, who's an Irish Jesuit, to pick out Irish Jesuits is easy meat rather than... <laughs> But I think also you've, you've done a lot of work on making good decisions and on communal discernment mm. and how it operates. So what did you reflect on yesterday? What did you see listening to the process? How did you reflect on it yourself and see, well, here's what I think was happening and here's why it's important? 
Well, I had some time last night because the flight home was delayed due to the fact apparently there was a drone sighted or supposedly sighted at the airport in Dublin. So everything was grounded for a while. So I had a number of hours uh, to think about what was going on. And it's this mysterious thing that you get a group of ordinary people together, younger and older Jesuits and whoever, and that God is among them and that they're, if you like, like disciples around the Lord in the Gospels, looking at him and talking with him and asking him, what do you want us to do? And that's a very mysterious and wonderful thing. And then that those people over the nine days of quiet and silence, as well as discussing with one another, were trying to grow in sensitivity as to where's their news of God or, you know, what's liable to be God's preference in regard to this, that and the other option that we were considering. So, yes, it's on that area of trying to be more and more in tune with the way in which God is drawing us. There's a phrase of Thomas Merton's that where he says that every moment and every event in every person person's life plants seeds of spiritual vitality in their soul. Now that is 1960s language, but that's okay. What he's saying is that God is intensely active and wants us to pay attention to what he's trying to tell us or how he's trying to stir our minds or bring up new images or allow ourselves to be moved by the plight of other people. So um, one of the things said there was that these are not just intellectual final reports coming in as to what our options will be, but they're meant to be a genuine listening, maybe for the first time, to the real cry of the earth, to the cry of the poor, to the cry of the young etc. And being moved by that to a point where one says, well, I can change what I'm doing, modify it in order to answer those needs. Is this the first time that a father general has employed that kind of method in setting out his preferences? Well, it's the first time that I'm aware of it being done on such a worldwide scale. The first thing the general did was try to gather in the various stakeholders from around the world to get involved in the process. So all Jesuits and their associates were meant to be um, canvassed as to what do they consider the most urgent things to be done. And with the limited but real resources that we have ourselves, but basically our collaborators, I mean, there's hardly a Jesuit teaching in Belvedere, but there's up to 100 lay teachers. And they look to the Jesuits and they've got their own ideas as well. They're not just sort of following slavishly along in what Jesuit education should be focused at. It's a living, organic and changing thing. So, as you can see, it's quite a lengthy process that I was amazed when I heard they were going to spend nine days on the ins and outs of all this. Now I see that it was a becoming liberated from all the work that we were doing just for those nine days and focusing on God, trying to listen well to one another, trying to listen to the facts around the world. So I was reading somewhere in L'Eservatore Romano yesterday, which I came across, that there are 85 million young people whose lives are being destroyed at the moment across the world. And so 
can we allow ourselves to be touched and moved even to tears, do you know? Or the instance of Pope Benedict and later Francis listening to victims of clerical child abuse and being moved to tears by that and then moving on to say, well, what are we going to do about it? Not just condemn it, but really take steps that will demand quite an amount from people in order to implement them. So any follow up? Yes, I am meant to get going. <laughs> so I have the text of the nine days as to the schedule that they followed and the items that they took up. And as I say, I am meant to be giving a kind of commentary on that. From produced. a spiritual perspective in terms of making good decisions, yes, wisdom. From, yeah, we don't use the word spiritual too much. <laughs> in other words, it's always a matter of language and we can get very jargony and Ignatian speak and words like that, you know. So even when I was writing a book for Veritas on discernment, they said, oh, write the book, but don't use the word. So I ended up calling it making good decisions because people are more at home and that kind of thing. But you have to make some kind of a distinction because people make decisions all the time and they make them, as you say, 85 million around mm. the world. And they have good sociological reasons, philosophical reasons, psychological reasons. Mm. This is a spiritual dimension to it. There know? is, yes. And as long as one doesn't get lost on the notion of spiritualizing the thing to the point that this doesn't have any particular relevance to our world. I mean, what the Pope has been emphasizing over and over is that the church exists for the world to meet, so far as can be, the needs of the world with the promise and hope of the gospel. It doesn't exist for its own sake. The church is, if you like, poverty-stricken, and unless God intervenes and leads the people of the church, then nothing much happens. You just roll along like the boat of Peter out on the ocean and it's there despite all the storms. It doesn't have any link with the land kind of thing. Whereas what he's saying is that everything that we do must have a, a reference point in the need of people so far as can be. And what light does the gospel throw on the particular situation that is coming up at any given time with all the changes in the world? So maybe when you write your report, which I see is a kind of an X-ray of what happened yes, over the nine days point. and showing what was done in terms mm. of making good decisions or spiritual wisdom from Ignatius, whatever words we want to use. We, we'll talk to you about that then. OK, thanks very much. <laughs>